kid, you'll move mountains. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. You're on your own and you know what you know, and you are the one who'll decide where to go. That is the famous Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You'll Go. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. What's up, Raleigh? What's up? Happy Teacher Appreciation Week post. Yes. I guess it's Sunday. It's passed. It's passed. It has since passed. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't shout it out. That's true. Um, and I feel like I'm a big proponent of it. You shouldn't just celebrate teachers for one week. That's a great way to say it. Um, I think there's a way to enhance Teacher Appreciation Week, but you should be appreciating those with whom you work all the time. All the time. In just subtle little ways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, shout out to all of you. I did see this TikTok video about Teacher Appreciation Week, and the guy, you know what? He wasn't wrong. He got the, and the idea in and of itself was pretty good. I, the administration apparently, like, had this duck, um, they had, like, rubber duckies, and you had to, like, pick one out of a pond, mm-hmm. like a water pond, and then whatever, I, I'm assuming whatever number you got, it correlated to a bag, mm-hmm. and then they give you the bag, the gift bag, and he's like, and I got, uh, two highlighters and something else he is like and whatever he whatever else it was and then he's like and I have hundreds of highlighters he's like what would have been great is if a teacher or an administrator came in and took you know some of a class block and taught for me so that I would have time to do stuff and a planning mm-hmm. block out like it was I was like yeah t- I feel like teachers when they talk about teacher appreciation it's not necessarily the things yeah. the items it's about the it's truly the appreciation and i feel like teachers deserve some time off and i feel like that's a great way to show your how valued they are well that goes with i think every everybody that works in a school setting i talk to many of my colleagues about how just being recognized and people showing that they understand how challenging the job is day to day is more valuable than things and that actually is across the board obviously people like a little something but you can do both right and I think it's understanding and acknowledging that this is hard and I'm here to support that idea some kind of you know even if it's just giving people really explicit um or specific uh examples of what you you're doing well Mm -hmm. sometimes I mean sometimes it's quotes from kids it's feedback from their colleagues giving them that type of information to feel like yes I'm making a difference and here are the ways that I'm doing that and it's really clear to them with good examples of that yeah I know people I mean we're not in this to have um private jets and boats you know darn <laughs> it some of us might be and that would be nice and it? I think you know I think people say that teachers need to be paid more which is absolutely true I think the bigger issue is not the lack of value and appreciation mm-hmm. of people and I think that's where it's really concrete to say financially we're not appreciated again which is true and I think that you find value in other things that are intangible well I'll also say to those out there who think and probably not people listening to this who think well teachers decide to get in this profession so you know what you're up against and don't stop complaining about not making any money good luck when teachers decide they're going to other fields because this is becoming too which hard. they are doing right and this is we've talked about this in other podcasts of how many other episodes of how many people are leaving the the field of education so you can sit there not being involved directly with education day in day in and day out and say teachers should just shut up about it and do your job but when those people are not are no longer educating your children good luck 
Yeah, I saw a meme today that was like, oh, summer's around the corner. It's time for parents to, sh- to show how hard teaching jobs are because they're with their mm-hmm. kids all mm-hmm. summer and have to do that. I was like, yeah, I think anybody sense. that sat through COVID home education does not want that to be the case. So Ever. appreciate your teachers and all the people providing services to your yeah. children every single day. Exactly. Shout out to all of our educators. And yeah. that's the broader broader scope not just teachers we're talking mm-hmm. paras ot mm-hmm. speech everybody everyone counselors people so. working in the kitchen feeding your children every exactly. day our facilities people Nurses. cleaning up yep. the vomit and all the other crap that's mm-hmm. around there mm-hmm. it's a tough job great <laughs> all right so we digress <laughs> um today we are going to talk it's the end of the year so a lot of our kids are transitioning either from school to school grade to grade um some of our high school kids are moving on or going to spend part of their time moving on so we're going to talk about transition um, and a lot of the work that is behind the scenes to help identify um, a successful place for students post-graduation and i want to shout out that i appreciate how the way the world is sort of growing because we're no longer we're talking about the portrait of a graduate which can look it doesn't look like you go to high school you go to college you get your master's blah 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 blah. it's people are starting to open up a little bit more about the the ways kids can be educated either in high school or post high school that aren't just a four-year college that isn't just a business school for example or you know lawyers teachers whatever i love that we're putting more emphasis <laughs> on vocational or, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's such a stigma around two-year schools and I've, I have such an appreciation for two-year schools and the flexibility to allow students to um, part-time go to school and part-time work or part-time have some vocational, alert, like, you know, these plumbers who still want to go to school. I don't know why I use plumber, but, you know, yeah. there's a lot of the trades. Yeah, the trades. Um, when you can either still go to school or not, and maybe it's just not for well, you. And how smart is it to do that versus getting, I mean, no disrespect to those getting degrees in things like sociology and psychology, because we definitely need you, but I've had more than one conversation recently with someone who's graduated a four-year program um, with a psychology degree, for example, and saying, I don't know what to do next. I can't afford to now go back and do X, because now that's going to take me more time and more money. Sorry to cut you off, Raleigh. I can hear the vacuuming upstairs. This is why we need soundproof. I know. Like, I said as you said, you, I yeah. said that to you that when we uh, got together today. I said we need a soundproof room. We need a studio. Yeah. We so I don't hear room upstairs. I'm Maybe like, I'm someday. Sure we'll be so well funded that we can have a studio. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. No, I agree with you about the psychologists and other positions. Not to pick on psychology. It's just no. the one that popped into my head. Yeah. No, but I think there are a lot of jobs where you're now required to have a master's degree, mm-hmm. and I think in Massachusetts, at least, they've lightened up a little bit on the initial teaching licensure, so like, I know this is a little bit off topic, but you can have five years without a master's, but within that five years, you have to get a master's degree, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of pressure for people who are in debt, like you but said. But think and- about coming out of a trade school with some you know, you have a skill set now that you can be well employed with, make money. And if you choose to go back to school for something else, now you may have a source of income that allows you to do that, or you continue to get more certification in that career path that you're in. And not to say that's for everybody, but I do think we're seeing how just continuing education in a college where you're not even sure what you want to do and you're getting that full experience and there's something to be said for all of that type of living, especially if you're not living at home while you do that. 
but you're incurring debt for most people and student loans. And can you come back from that, graduate and pay that off and have some kind of career path that, that makes sense right away? Or are you now just, that's just the first four years and now you've got another two, three, four to build on. Yeah. It's nice that there is no, there's, I mean, it's still there that tradi- the, the traditional path, you graduate high school, mm-hmm. four year colleges, it's, I'm just starting to see more flexibility yeah. and more, you know, it, the same with two year schools. Most two year schools or community colleges mm-hmm. are relatively inexpensive or free in some states. So you can start there or well, even see what you want to do. Too. Right. Too. Exactly. Like I can try out a couple different courses and see which one makes sense without spending 50 grand to do that, you know? And the bottom line is, unless you're in spe- very specific fields, no one cares what college you went to. Mm-hmm. No one at, no one, I'm not getting, I'm not not getting an interview because I went to New Hampshire College. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, like, uh, just throwing it out there. Just throw, yep, name dropping. Yeah. That was pre-SNHU, everyone, just to give you a little shout out to SNHU, I suppose, but you know. Yeah. I don't New know Hampshire if our college. listeners in Belgium care about that. But, the pen, you know, the penman. We're the penman. Great. It's even better. Um, so I, I do have an appreciation for that. Um, Something else that's really cool that um, in Massachusetts, so Governor Baker on his way out signed this um, regulation or law into effect that is to every state school needs to allow all students the opportunity to go to college. And so that has created an opportunity for our students who don't necessarily pass that state Mm -hmm. exam to graduate. Um, our kids who have more intellectual disabilities to be afforded that opportunity. And so this year has been really cool because it's a huge learning experience for me, but having, um, working in secondary, I have the opportunity to like do a lot of high school college transition planning. And there are these programs out there for these kids to be able to access one or two non-credited classes, but to literally get the opportunity to go to college. And so one of the schools um, has actually taken some of our kids who are not necessarily intellectually disabled and not your traditional four-year college-bound student. And they there's a cohort of kids that just got into school. They got to do the application process, the interview process. They got to stress like everyone else and wait for their acceptance letters. And now they get to go and take two classes at this state school and then have a job on the other three days. So they're you know learning. And then after two years, their courses can count towards graduating. So theoretically, they could get a four-year degree. And then these other kids um, who have not passed MCAS and are a little, the intellectually disabled students, they don't necessarily take, like I said, credited courses, but it's all about that experience. There's a school in Connecticut that allows students who are, I'm maybe not necessarily intellectually disabled, but you know, wouldn't necessarily get accepted to a traditional four-year school to live there. They get the room and board, they get the whole college experience. uh, And with some structure and supports, which I think, again, I think you're just moving in this direction that's great for for our kids. Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking that transition doesn't just mean that you're going to some type of school, because as we know, a lot of students aren't, whether it's two years, four years, they're just not going to be doing that. And, you know, I think there's a degree of ability to have a job depending on, you know, the way that they're, you know, how their needs are represented, how their brains work, And so I think it's also important to think of transition for kids that maybe it's more about a life skills track where it's like, do we, are we setting kids up 
and we did have this conversation in another episode, are we setting kids up with the life skills they need to be able to live more independently, whatever that means for them, whether that's, you know, within another community of, of other adults that have similar needs, whether that's living with a, a family member, but still having some um, independence, how do we set them up for success? Because not everybody is going to want to do any, the, the type of college or, or secondary, is that post, secondary education? Thank you. Postgraduate post education. education. So how are we meeting their needs to prepare them for that? And I think I would imagine for most programs, if kids are on that track there by high school, they are already, I'm hoping engaging in some type of life skills training, but they may not be right. Well, and again, in my experience, I think, and it probably depends on the community and the, and the, um, the breadth of the programs Mm -hmm. that you have within your school. But I run into it a lot where parents think kids can pass our state's testing. And, you know, we're having these, having to have these difficult conversations and nine times out of 10, they're happening too late. They're happening when kids transition into high school Mm -hmm. or they're happening well into high school. Now we don't want to predispose kids to whatever their trajectory is. However, I think that there are some situations where you can start having these conversations at the start of middle school or the start of, you know, sixth grade where you can say like, Hey, we should probably start building in some more of these things. Let's have an honest conversation about what this might look like. I also think that's where I know a lot of people sort of just use that transition planning form as another piece of paperwork. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, your IEP is, it's a federal requirement that at age 14 in, in the United States, that the transition planning form has to happen by their 14th birthday. That's where kids get their say about what they want to do. It's what we all, that's where we should be starting at the very least, the conversation about what should this kid's future planning look like to, for them to be successful as adults. Well, and again, talking about how these things, we did talk about this in a prior episode, how these things can happen, as you said, concurrently. You could be on the academic path as they should be, but also all so many students, regardless of what their track is going to be, could benefit from some of those life skills and really understanding how, you know, money works, how to take care of themselves, how, you know, things in the, how to access things in the community. There's so many, I, I saw something recently about how a very high percentage of adults in this country don't have a good financial IQ. Mm-hmm. They don't understand basic finances. They're sort of living in the moment with money. And I think that's a setup for failure for a lot of people. Not everybody has the ability to save and to be th- thoughtful of their finances, but in a really like long-term planning way. But even just that, we've kind of fallen off of how to educate kids about how to manage their money and manage their finances. Yeah, I think I mentioned this in that in that same episode, I'm guessing, but um, I have some teachers at our high school who started a transition class, and we've been talking about in- making it more inclusive and making it broader for kids with disabilities and kids yes. without disabilities yeah. because it is a global issue, and I know that we're going to be talking in the future about if we had all the money in the world and all the resources, mm-hmm. how would we change and adjust the education system on a future app. Mm-hmm. There's a little plug for that. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there's a huge component of adulthood, regardless of what that looks like for any individual in terms of uh, job or career. It's there. There is that financial planning piece. That's the simple like cleaning of yes, your house right. or like how you finance a car or how you buy a house. Ha- like there are just so many different aspects to it. And 
it's not covered enough. I mean, the executive function, I think that's the episode we talked about in, but like the executive functioning piece of adulthood where you just have to like, suddenly you don't have any resources or supports to be like, how do I plan ahead? Or when you're taking off your parents' insurance for the first time. Yeah. Like there's just so much to, to cover. Well, and you have all of this, you know, all these needs for kids, all kids that we were talking about. Our students on IEPs though, those IEPs don't go with them once they take their diploma. Yeah. I think there are some states that offer a little bit of flexibility. In Massachusetts specifically, the day the student turns 22, done. done. Mm-hmm. And the day a student ta- accepts their diploma, done. done. And so you have to do some thoughtful planning around that for kids that are going to need accommodations into adulthood, whether that's at 18 or at 22. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you address that? And so you know what we do is we look at the IEP obviously recommend whether a kid should be there longer than 18, but you can, um, 504 accommodations or 504 plan actually does go into adulthood. And so kids can bring their 504 plans to whatever their next step is, Mm -hmm. um, and be able to, to use those accommodations. I think too, it would be great for, and I'm not sure if there are states and and other countries that do this, but really helping the guardian, the parent, whoever's going to be, depending on the needs of the student, who's going to be looking after this young adult that they're getting some kind of coaching and training in some way. And maybe they already have those skills and maybe that's been their, their process as well. If, if, especially if a student has been receiving some of these life skills trainings throughout their teen years, but if they're not and everything just stops is the person that's responsible for this young adult getting that type of training to help, in the next phase of whatever they're going to be doing to understand how best to kind of coach and guide and, and help that, that young adult get through the next steps of their life. Right. Well, and I think you and I worked with a student, um, who had a parent who was a lawyer and she did, mm-hmm. um, like disability trust law or so, And I think I learned a lot through that, but I don't know if a lot of caregivers know that there are resources out there. And I don't think it's, directed towards the training that you're talking about mm-hmm. that they need, but might might provide some supports around like what adulthood might look like for right. these kids. How do you establish right. the financial component for these? Well, kids that's it. Yeah. May... Like whatever it, it looks like, but it's just giving a broad picture of like, here are some things that here are some services you can access. Here are some things you can look for in your community that can be helpful for you. Here are some things that you should expect to, you know, to come across. If, I mean, we can't assume everybody has this, innate sense of what's mm-hmm. what to to do for these kids and so i think providing whatever we can to help parents guardians whoever is going to be caring for these adults or or just being um a proponent of of whatever they're needing mm-hmm. and even if it's somebody that's can live in an independent community but they really rely on somebody in their family to be a support how can we help that person to be supportive to the the transitioning adult well and there's so many so there are so many nuances depending on the track you take Mm -hmm. I guess and so like in Massachusetts all of our students who we know or we are assuming along you know with the teen process are going to need services post-graduate we have and I think it's a federal because it's I think it's is under IDEA but it's called a 688 referral and it's basically a referral to the Department of Mental Health for our Mm -hmm. students to be able to access services as soon as they graduate and that can look like I think it's quite a variable variability in terms of what it is. And some of that, I think it is, you know, directed towards parents and how they can be best supported. 
throughout the process, whether they have to um, apply for foster care for their adult child Mm -hmm. to to be the foster parents because you get some additional resources that way. Um, And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, not biggest, I shouldn't say that, a challenge that we run into is um, there's another form for decision maker signing rights for when a student turns 18. So in Massachusetts, the day the student turns 18, they have all of their rights. And so there's this waiver that kids and adults can sign to say like, mm, this kid's not ready. Right. <laughs> um, and you have to be on an IEP, obviously. And so how do you make that decision with your child who wants to be independent, wants to, be, right. wants to have their have a job, but you know, as a parent, they're not ready for all of that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance, but there's also things that are broader that probably everybody can benefit from. And hopefully, you know, there are people involved with the the young adult transitioning to the next phase that are supporting more well round in a more well rounded, robust way. But I think there's so much nuance. It's just very individual. There's individual, and then there's again the stuff everybody probably needs. But then there's things that are just specific to that student. Well, and I think not to. I don't. You know, I don't want to gear back to to college it is promising to see that a lot of colleges though two-year four-year whatever vocational postgraduate schools are are having um more resources to be able to support more students so you know there are some colleges that have a learning disability center Mm -hmm. and so they're expanding their you know centers to not just like so that kids can to, to not just tutoring right you know when i was in college it was like you can get a tutor, mm-hmm. and that was it. Well, even the mental health services are more yeah. robust as well. No, I think, I mean, it's it's great evolution, and it's great inclusion, um, and it's and it can be something for for some people, absolutely. And I think it's showing that we can we can branch out and be flexible and adapt to the needs of that student, especially if they have, you know, not everybody's meant for that type of mm-hmm. of setting, but for students that that are meant for that but need more support. It's wonderful that there are programs and universities and colleges that are, you know, adapting to those students. Well, I think I just think it takes it takes some um, a community. So you look at I look at the high school where I am and high school other high schools I've been to, and there is such an emphasis still on next steps being college next mm-hmm. step. and yeah. I just want to I hate the word normalize but like basically normalize that it can be anything right. kids can go and graduate and get a job and I in fact I feel like there are more people in the trades that make more money oh, than absolutely. me that yeah. have more free time than mm-hmm. me that can take more vacations than me they run their own businesses well and I think it's depending on which communities you're yeah. speaking about too I think you know Hopefully, with more diverse communities, there's a more diverse thinking about it, and maybe it's less of a stigma to not be going to college. Um, I mean, obviously, when you and I were growing up, that was the expectation for Mm -hmm. so many people, and the stigma was, well, you're not, so you must be unintelligent. You have no money. You have, you know, there was a certain stigma to people that weren't going to college, regardless of the reason why they chose not to. And that is seemingly changing, which is wonderful, because it should change. It should not, that there's no... It's, it's what you're going to make of your path, whether you choose to be in a path that's less of a, a traditional college model or do you choose the college model. Whichever you choose, it's how productive and how much are you going to learn to be able to achieve your goal. That's what should matter. Yeah, and the term, I think the term blue collar is sort of fading yes. a little bit. Yeah. Thankfully, there was a stigma around that term mm-hmm. for so Absolutely. long. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are if you're in an affluent community with college graduate parents or well-educated parents I think 
that pressure is on for kids. And I see, I think one of the things that still, that I, that I've seen in my time is at a high school that I was at, um, had a big poster and every student's name and every student's name on it with a line about where they were going to college. Yeah. And it was literally that specific question, Mm -hmm. not next steps. What does your future look like? Anything. And if I'm a kid who's not a college bound student, I'm walking by that embarrassed every day Mm -hmm. that my line isn't filled in. I may be the one that makes up a school. So it looks like I'm going somewhere, like picking some random school that I know nowhere else, no one else is going to go to, to make it seem like I'm fitting in, but to have, you know, to make it more, and I guess that's my point about making it normalizing mm-hmm. the trades and other postgraduate options for students. And I'm sure there are places that do that. It just yes. needs to be more, more consistent. Exactly. I mean, we certainly know there are many, many, many ways to make money these days, right? That's true. Uh, you could become uh, social media famous, mm-hmm. an influencer. Yes. I can't tell you how many students of mine are like, I want to be on YouTube. Of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. You want to make videos on YouTube? Yep. Okay, yes. Mr. Beast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> could be a podcaster. You could be podcaster. a podcaster. You know, that makes zero money. They could take a page out of our book. Yeah. You know, that all... puts money in and doesn't get it. Yeah, exactly. Out. That's fair. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that could be a would you rather question yeah. someday. Uh, but for today, <laughs> so thank you. Shout out to Kelly for helping us post our would you rather Wednesdays. Please mm-hmm. go onto our Facebook page or Instagram and comment on mm-hmm. some of our would you rathers and you might get, you might just get a shout out. Wow. Shout out. Not a shout out. You'll get a <laughs> shout out. You won't get shut out. No. So today uh-huh. I'm going to ask you first. Yeah. And then I'll let you know what a couple of our commenters um, yes. said what their idea was. And I think they have good, they have good reason for it. Okay. So would you rather Wednesday? Well, no, it's, it's not Wednesday. That's um, would you rather have a, a head the size of a watermelon or a head the size of a tennis ball? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I have always been under the assumption that a big head means a big brain. Mm. So I'm going to go with the head the size of a watermelon. Because if, if, if you've ever seen kindergarten cop, my dad, he's got a big head. He can't wear hats. I'm paraphrasing. But if you can't put a hat on your head, you're probably really smart. That's how I feel. Uh, well, you can't you know, wear a standard cap. There may be a commenter who agrees okay. with you. All right. Now, I I struggle with this one because uh-huh. I hear you about the big brain. And I have a relatively small head. I can wear child size hats. Well, I, can I also say this really quick? Watermelons come in all different sizes. That's whereas true. tennis balls don't. That's true. All right. I'm going with watermelon yeah. just for that I reason. I not convince you, but I'm yeah. just saying. I mean, you, you Can I pick the over. watermelon? It could be small. Oh, now you're coming in with... <laughs> Usually this is me. Well, Usually this just, is me. This is the question, and I feel like a watermelon has multiple sizes. Yes. We I, all assume a large watermelon, but that doesn't have to be. That's true. They have the mini watermelons. They come in packs of three yeah. at Costco. You can call me They're delicious. Head. You can. Mm-hmm. Melon head? I mean, yeah, look. That's fine. Big head, big brain. That's what I'm saying. Now, Erin, one of our listeners... Shout out to Erin. Erin, uh, I think her re- she has a good reason. Mm-hmm. Tennis ball so I can put shirts on. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's like, really good. I feel like that's you know, a great I like the practicality yeah I feel like that's a great reason that's why yeah. I think I struggled because maybe well, I previewed these comments well first. maybe all your shirts are button downs yeah I mean I don't look great in a button down is well, all I'm saying so it's sort of like or I have a variety. zip up hoodie oh I could do a zip up hoodie yeah I have a cute little zip up Celtics jacket that great. I wear um, now Kelly said definitely a watermelon for my big brain mm-hmm. so I See, think I, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe we should do like a vote and we'll adapt the clothing around the big brain. Exactly. The, the, the big melon. <laughs> the big um, all right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. Please follow us on our social media pages, uh, Instagram, Facebook, 
uh, TikTok, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I think we have one I, video. I also think we're getting some photos put up somewhere. We eventually. are. I think so. A so little get, about us. You get to for meet. those that don't know, can't figure out how we, what we look like, or where to find. Yeah. What we look like <laughs> you can, uh, you can. I have a photo of my do- me and my dog, Marcus Smart, the dog. We're we're slowly creeping towards the the video as well. We're slowly creeping towards 2023. Yeah. And not doing a podcast like we're in 1994. Yeah. As but, if there were any of those back then, <laughs> where you where you had to. I think that was Delilah. Yeah, (laughs) that was the podcast back then, Delilah. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Please send us some ideas. Oh, thank you to all of the people who have been are sending us messages on Facebook too. We see your ideas. We've been responding, and we're hoping to build some of those into our repertoire. So and go Celtics. Go Celtics. Big game tonight. Bye.